today, as I said before, we continue with this mission that God has given to St. Luke's. It's our specific way of living out the Great Commission to awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Today, our text comes to us from the very beginning of, of Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1. We start with verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Last week we talked about awakening hearts, what that, what that really means. And it makes the assumption that our hearts are less than awake sometimes. Maybe this morning you feel a little less than awake. But what we're talking about with this is God daily, on an everyday, regular basis, awakening up our hearts to know and see what His plan and will is for our life. More importantly, what our purpose in life is supposed to be. That God would wake us up to that. That He would call us awake for this very important mission. To awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. This is the, the great commission that God gave His church, the purpose that they are to do, but just re-articulated for our unique place and time. This week we dig deep, deeply into every generation. Now the text that I shared with you just a little bit ago was Mary, and Mary has just been voicing this amazing, what we call the Magnificat, the, the praising of the great and mighty God. And what's happened right before that that's made her come to this place of just wanting desperately to praise God so much is that her cousin, Elizabeth, was just told that she would conceive and have a baby boy and that that boy would be John the Baptist. And an angel has appeared to Mary saying that she would be the mother of the Savior of the world. And now Mary has just gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth and the, the two babies in the wombs and John the Baptist in in. Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy because he senses that he's in the presence of Jesus. And Elizabeth looks at her cousin and says, you are blessed. And with that, Mary just opens up with this, this magnificat, this praise of God, of who he is and the great thing that he's done. Now usually we have this text sometimes around the, the, the Advent season where we're preparing and getting ready for Christmas because it happens right before Jesus is born. But today we pick this text because in three specific places it talks about this generational idea. And there's three things that really come out in each one of those verses. Number one, that, that this concept is that, that God has an intense desire and heart for every generation. Every generation that he's ever created, he has a special place in his heart and a passion for. The second thing that this text shows up is that, that absolutely every generation shares in the mission of God. Like there's not a single generation that is exempt 
from living out the mission of God. And then the third and the final piece that, that I'm going to address our attention to today is that this idea of a generational legacy. What's been passed on to us and what we are to pass on to others. So God seeks the heart of every generation. Mary says this in, in verse 48, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. It starts out in Greek with this word, this word behold that we translate is kaiadu. And it's this phrase that happens in scripture whenever the, the writer or the speaker wants to grab your attention. So it's kind of like this. Now I want absolutely everybody to pay attention to what I'm about to say because what follows is extremely important. It's an attention-grabbing device, and they're zeroed in and locked in because they know that what's to come, they don't want to mess. To be called blessed in Scripture means that all of your needs are filled, that you are satisfied, that you have more than you need. And Mary calls this conception of Jesus a great thing that God has done for her. That all generations will consider her blessed. All generations is very, very inclusive, right? It involves absolutely everybody. It means all the generations that came from Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus. It means all the way to Revelation. It means right here and right now and for the days to come, the generations that follow. All generations looking back at Jesus' conception and considering Mary blessed. And God is after absolutely every generation. His heart yearns for every generation. For people who, who pass their faith on to their sons and daughters, who pray for their sons and daughters to be raised up in the faith. Every generation needs to know that Jesus is their savior. And every generation is valuable. The gospel is all inclusive. And every generation shares the mission of God, right? So Mary says this in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She uses that word mercy, and I think it's important to, to refocus our idea on what mercy really means. Mercy essentially means that God chooses not to treat us as we deserve, right? Because if we're, if we're honest, we are broken, messed up people. I am a broken, messed up person, and so are you. We make mistakes all the time. We say things we wish we wouldn't. We do things we wish we wouldn't. We don't do the things or say the things that we know we should. That's just who we are inside. And the wages of that sin, the consequence of that sin is death. That's what we deserve. If God were to treat us how we deserved, we would die. But God, in his mercy, does not treat us as we deserve. In fact, he shows us his grace. He treats us even better than we deserve by sending his son, by washing our sins, by making us new. He treats us better. This mercy is what God gives to us. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, sometimes in, this, in, the, in today's age, we don't really talk a whole lot about fearing God. Or we dismiss fearing God as, as just respecting him for how big and awesome and mighty he is. But there's an element too of being able to stand in the presence of God as a sinful broken person and recognizing that God's expectation of us is perfection and trembling just a little bit. 
to recognize, of course, that we fear, love, and trust in Him above all things, but that He is mighty and we are broken. But God's greatest strength in His might is, is expressed through His love, through His sacrifice on the cross. We teach that contained in this fear is also a sense of awe and wonder at who God is and that He chooses not to destroy us. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis and the, and the Chronicles of Narnia are just a great series that, that uh, C.S. Lewis writes about the kingdom of God with kind of a metaphorical story. Of, and he talks about the kingdom of God being like this land that he calls Narnia where animals can talk. And, and the Christ figure is represented as Aslan the lion, and he's a huge, magnificent, powerful lion. And Lucy, who is a young girl exploring the area of Narnia, asks a beaver, because beavers can talk in Narnia, uh, if Aslan is safe. And the beaver says, no, he's not safe. He's a lion, but he is good. And we see that idea of the fear of the Lord, but the knowledge that God is good. He is huge and mighty and amazing, but he is compassionate and merciful and calls us friend. See, what parents do, and I'm so glad we've got so many parents in the room today, our number one job as parents is to raise our kids in faith, to teach them about Jesus. Not just through our words, but also through our actions, so that what we do and what we say are the same thing. That's our single biggest job as a parent, is to raise up kids in the faith. And parents, you are the number one faith influencer in your child's life. How you go, your children will go. He says that's a huge responsibility and one that none of us are really born with the ability to do naturally. And so something that, that we do and celebrate at St. Luke's, we did this in generations just, just a, hours ago, we do faith milestones. And a faith milestone is, is where we have staff that come around our parents, and Megan does an amazing job with this, comes around our parents and teaches them and equips them to be that number one influencer in their child's life equips them with the resources and the knowledge and the encouragement in order to do so. Generations is the continuation of God's legacy type faith that he shares with us. Generations are the key. It's generations that connect us all the way back to the promise that was made in Genesis chapter 3. It's generations that connect us to Abraham and all of his offspring that connect us into that family of God. The generations that have impacted us and made us who we are. We receive those through generations. And every generation is engaged with the mission of the church. There is no age demographic that finally ages out. There are no retired Christians. If you're a retired Christian, you miss the point. You are in this mission from the moment Jesus touches you to the moment he comes back home to take us back home. There is no retiring. Every generation from our preschool to our kindergarten and first graders who, who shared and blessed us today, they ministered to us today a part of God's plan, a part of God's purpose. They go home and they share their Bible stories with mom and dad and they sing songs that they learned in chapel with mom and dad and mom and dad get ministered to by their kids. All the way through every generation up until the point where you find yourself in a nursing home where you have all the time to pray and share and witness to the person in the bed right next to you. 
who desperately needs to hear the gospel before they close their eyes for the last time in this world. Every generation is connected to the mission of the church. Now, if you remember last week, I reminded you that when Jesus left, he ascended up into heaven at the end of his earthly ministry. Uh, he had a command that he gave them, the Great Commission. And the Great Commission last week, remember, was to go to church. Not at all a part of the mission of God. Yes, he wants you to come to church and get filled up and encouraged and, and, and be filled with his word and his sacrament. But the command, the purpose was to go and make disciples. Discipling is the job of each and every person in the church. It's not that you have to go, boy, I'm not quite there yet. Maybe someday I'll be mature enough in the faith to disciple somebody else. Absolutely everybody is a part of this mission to go and make disciples. And how we specifically do that here is by the power of the Holy Spirit, awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. We are all a part of this mission. And there's this generational legacy. Mary wraps things up by saying, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Right? God's plan for salvation for the world is a family plan. The end of Mary's song ties all the way back to God's promises to Abraham, to his descendants, into that family of Israel that we, through our baptisms, have been grafted into to be a part of that same family in adoption. This really brings from generation to generation in focus because everyone from the beginning of time, Israel, all of the family of God, is this inclusive invitation to an exclusive path to the Father. The Father who redeems, who sanctifies and places us in the right hand of God to be ushered into eternal life face to face with Him forever. But there's a problem with generations. Generations sometimes can be prone to a generation gap. And a generation gap is a difference in attitudes and values from one generation to another, right? So that when you have a different set of ideas or attitudes or experiences between an older generation and a younger generation that are living together at the same time, generational gaps destroy relationships. We don't understand each other. We do things differently. We have different expectations. And that divides us. And so it's important to bridge the gap. There's lots of people who have done research on what it means to, to bridge the, the generational gap, especially like in a work environment and how you overcome these generational differences. There's a lady by the name of Kelly Wong who deals with this in the realm of business. And she had a lot of different tips that I thought were, were really very interesting as to how to mitigate that problem of the generation gap. And one of them has a lot to do with ministry. I want to share that one with you. She warns to guard against age segregation. Right? We have a natural tendency of flocking together with people who look like us, sound like us, smell like us, do like us, right? That's, that's who we are because those conversations are more natural. They're easier. We get each other. We relate to each other. We've had similar experiences. And so what happens at work is sometimes older people meet with older people, middle-aged people meet with middle-aged people, younger people meet with younger people. But you can do that outside of work, she says. While you're at work, to mix teams with every generation. And as these every generational teams get together, they spend more talking time with each other and they begin to care for one another more. And they become important as people to them. 
and they see that every generation has skills and abilities that adds to the team. And when those are merged with multi-generational teams, incredible efficiency and incredible innovation happen as a result. The same is true at church. Right, we can get all divided with different generations of worship, different styles of worship or music or, or what you're supposed to look like when you come to church. But it's important that we bridge the gap. And it, it's so encouraging to me when I see ministries happen here on this campus and outside of this campus with people of many different ages working together. Like when we see our Vacation Bible School integrating with the Haven and we see multiple generations working together, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing and something that we should aspire to more and more of. And I can't help but talk about generational legacy without thinking about the, the, the men and women that God has used to impact my life. You know, my spiritual fathers and grandfathers, if you will. And I have to start with my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad were just so foundational in my faith. They, every morning, my mom and dad would lead family devotions with the portals of prayer booklet and, and we'd, we'd pray together as a family before the rest of our day took off. My dad, he wasn't always the best at speaking his faith, but he was the best person I've ever seen live it out. That he would look for the, the students in his classroom that were struggling, who were on the outside looking in. And he'd wrap his arms around them, not, figure, not literally, but figuratively, wrap his arms around them and, and support them and give them the direction that they needed. Then there was a guy by the name of, of Bob Baker. Bob Baker was a friend of mine uh, when I lived in Idaho. He was a member of our, our church, my first church. And he saw me as a brand new young pastor who knew absolutely nothing <laughs> about ministry. And he came and he helped fill my head with things of, of vision and strategies and, and really seeing how to put my faith into a, into a situation that could help people grow and change and transform. And there's another man named Craig. And Craig was a man who, who helped me see for the first time who I was as a child of God. To view myself with a, an identity in Christ and the strength and the confidence that brings even when the rest of your world is crumbling. These were men and, and women that without, I don't know where I would be. I'm only who I am today because I'm standing on their shoulders. And spend some time today thinking about the people who have been used by God to impact you. And then I want to challenge you to think about who you are being led to disciple, right? If, you're, if your mission, and it is for absolutely everybody in this room, no matter the age, no matter the generation, is to go and make disciples. That is your job, not just mine. It's our job to do together. And if that's the case, who are you discipling? Who are you teaching? Who are you leading? Who are you guiding? And moms and dads, it's probably your number one role is to do that with your children, but who is it at work that's struggling? Who is it that, that needs to know a message of hope? Who are you being led to and called to share with? Now, some people may be saying, well, I don't know enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gifted in that ability, Pastor. That's, that's, that's for somebody else to do. Um, I'm not in a good enough place in my life to begin doing that. Fooey on that. Because I'm a firm believer that absolutely everybody has a story and a message that God has given to them through their experience, through their education, through their life that has been shaped and formed not just for you, but for you to share with somebody else who desperately needs to hear it. Even more, you are the only person in the world with that story exactly like yours. 
And you are the only person in the world who has access to other people that I will never know. That is your role. That is your charge from God, your mission. Think about that heavily this week. Pray about that. Pray that God would show you the person that you are to start discipling. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the generational gifts that you've given to us, for the generations from the very beginning of creation to the generation of Christ himself, to every generation that has followed up from that cross to this point to get us into this room today. And God, I pray right now for those who are not in this room, for those that you know will be generationally receiving this legacy from us to somebody else, maybe today, maybe years from now, but that those seeds would be planted, that you would nurture and grow them, that all would know who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.